Hey everybody, you're listening to Living Theology with the Luby Brothers, a podcast dedicated to understanding and living out the gospel. The gospel that brings us to God and transforms us into the image of his son, Jesus Christ. We are your hosts, Doug, Greg, and Mark Luby. continuing in our series on passages of scripture that are significant to us and i'm actually be sharing one of the passages this morning which is second corinthians 12 1 to 10 and doug would you read that passage for us definitely second corinthians 12 1 to 10 i must go on boasting though there is nothing to be gained by it i will go on to visions and revelations of the lord I know a man in Christ who 14 years ago was caught up to the third heaven, whether in the body or out of the body, I do not know, God knows. And I know that this man was caught up into paradise, whether in the body or out of the body, I do not know, God knows. And he heard things that cannot be told, which man may not utter. On behalf of this man, I will boast, but on my own behalf, I will not boast except in my weaknesses. Though if I should wish to boast, I would not be a fool. For I would be speaking the truth, but I refrain from it, so that no one may think more of me than he sees in me or hears from me. So to keep me from becoming conceited, because of the surpassing greatness of the revelations, a thorn was given me in the flesh, a messenger of Satan to harass me, to keep me from becoming conceited. Three times I pleaded with the Lord about this, that it should leave me. But he said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore I will boast all the more gladly of of my weaknesses, so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. For the sake of Christ, then, I am content with weaknesses, insults, hardships, persecutions, and calamities. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Yeah, Mark, will you explain a little bit about what's going on in this passage here? Yeah. So Paul is, in this passage, he's boasting but what he makes clear is that if he's going to boast about anything he's going to boast about his weaknesses and it seems that in the larger context of second corinthians there's a group that he calls super apostles who he uses that term really ironically he's not actually saying that they really are truly apostles people sent from god but he's calling them out as false apostles false messengers false prophets and he sees their boasting and how they're proud and they're arrogant. And basically he says, I'm not going to play that game. If I'm going to boast, I'm going to boast about things that make me weak. And so before this, he's boasted about all these times that he was, you know, Second Corinthians eleven twenty five. three times I was beaten with rods, once I was stoned, three times I was shipwrecked, and night and day I was adrift at sea. And he goes on and he says some things before that as well. So he's boasting in this sense of weakness. And here even says in 2 Corinthians 12, 9, Therefore I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses, so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. But before this, at the beginning of the passage, he begins by talking about how he knows a man. And it's pretty obvious that this man is Paul. But he says, I know a man who is caught up into the third heaven mark how is it obvious that this man is paul because i remember reading this and being so confused for a long time like who who is this man that paul knows Uh, i think it's obvious because 
he then goes on, and after talking about how this man was caught up into heaven, switches essentially from third person to first person, even in this text, where he's saying, this man... Um, then he says, though, if I should wish to boast in verse six, after he says on behalf of this man, I will not boast in verse five. Um, but I'll just boast of my weaknesses, though, if I should wish to boast, I would not be a fool. Yeah. And so then he says in verse seven, so to keep me from becoming conceited because of the surpassing greatness of the revelation. So he says, I know this man. And what he's, I think, trying to do there is he's trying to say, this isn't the way that I'm going to boast, but if I did want to play that game, I could school them. I have something to boast about. I was caught up into the third heaven. I saw things that I can't even tell you about. And I don't even know if I was taken up in the body physically or if it was a spiritual thing, but on behalf of that man, I'm not going to boast. I'm not going to boast in those things, though I, as an apostle of the Lord, do have a certain insight. But what will I boast about? What will I put forward? I'm going to show you my weaknesses as a true apostle of Jesus. I'm going to show you the ways in which God's grace lives in my life and not my strength lives in my life. When he talks about that idea of third heaven, that can be a confusing concept for people because they hear third heaven and it's thought, is this, is are there multiple levels of heaven that you can get into? That's not the meaning here, what's intended is the idea that probably first heaven would be like the skies, second heaven would be like space and stars and galaxies, and when he says third heaven then, in that layering, the, the first, second, third heaven, he's actually getting to the idea that the third heaven is the very dwelling place, it's the real heaven of God. And so his claim here is, I've actually seen great and incredible things, I've been in the presence of God, but if I'm going to boast about something as a follower of Christ and as an apostle who's trying to defend the gospel that I'm preaching, I'm not going to boast about my strengths. I'm going to put forward my weaknesses. And so he goes on and he talks about how in order to keep him weak, in order to keep him humble, he was actually given a thorn in his flesh. And one of the things I like about that, I, that I've heard about this text is people will ask, what was the thorn that Paul was given? Was it a physical type of suffering? Did he have malaria? Did he have bad eyesight? Because there's something about that, something about the eyes referenced in Galatians. Was it a, physio, a physical condition? Was it a mental condition? Was it a spiritual depression? And people will come up with all sorts of theories. But one thing that I've heard that was really helpful on this pointed out was that what we do know about it is this. In verse, he says in verse 7, this is what we do know. So to keep me from becoming conceited because of the surpassing greatness of the revelations, a thorn was given me in the flesh. So it's a thorn in his flesh is what he calls it. You can imagine a thorn in the flesh. It's painful. It's difficult. It's something that stays with you. You don't forget about it. He says, a messenger of Satan to harass me, to keep me from becoming conceited. So we do know about it. It's a messenger from Satan. Something that Satan has given to him, it's harassing him, it's putting him low so he doesn't become arrogant about the things that he sees. But what's really cool with that as well is it's from Satan, it's a messenger from Satan, it's harassing him, but he doesn't go to Satan and plead, Satan, will you please stop this? Will you take this away? This is what he says in verse 8. Three times I pleaded with the Lord about this, that it should leave me. 
he understands there that God is the one who is actually sovereign in control over this thorn in his flesh, over this pain. And this is God's response to him. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. So Paul then says, therefore, I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses, so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. For the sake of Christ, then I am content with weakness, insults, hardships, persecutions, and calamities. For when I am weak, then I am strong. And we see him come full circle and saying, my boast is in my weakness. My boast is not in my strength, but in the power of God in me, even in the midst of my weakness. Yeah, how do you feel like this passage has really impacted you personally, Mark? Or how has it applied to your life? Totally. For me, this passage is almost like a lens that I've looked through to understand some of my own suffering and low seasons of life. So when I was about to graduate high school, my senior year, I went through one of the darkest seasons that I've ever been through. And it was a dark season that lasted for about three to six months. The intensity of it definitely for probably those first two to three months, but the whole of it lasted probably about six months. And even some of the things that I experienced through that continue to last to this day. And I come back to um, in different ways, and, and I'll explain some of that. But the best way to describe it is there were really two things that became um, really on my mind a lot in that season. And one of them was just my sins. And so there were past sins that I had committed that were almost like stuck on repeat in my head. And I just could not get them out. I would compulsively think about them. And so things that I had done maybe years ago, or maybe they were mistakes I was making at the time. And those things, it, it just like they were just on repeat in my mind going over and over and over again. And there'd be sort of this pendulum that would swing between focusing and, and compulsively thinking about my own sin on one hand, and then just terrible, seemingly uncontrollable, dark and evil thoughts on the other hand that I didn't know where they were coming from. I didn't know why they were there, but it felt like I, I couldn't get get away from those thoughts. And so it was, again, sort of this compulsive thinking over my sin that brought me an incredible sense of shame of things that I had done, this feeling of, like, worthlessness, this feeling of self-hatred, uh, disappointment with myself, anger with myself as well, <clears throat> or more of a, a depression in a sense. And then mixed with these other feelings that when I wasn't thinking about those things, it was just these thoughts that just seemed to just scar my mind. And I just felt shame for even having come across my mind or even experiencing those things. And for a while, I just felt like I'm never going to be right again. And I pleaded with God. I asked God that he would take that away from me. I didn't understand why I was going through that season. The way I described the way it felt was as a mixture of the feeling when you fall back in your chair so you're sitting on a chair, it gets pushed back, and you have that jump. That jump mixed with the feeling you get when you see something dark or grotesque or violent, just something disgusting, and you sort of reel back in a, ugh, that's, that's disgusting, that's gross, that's wrong. It's a combination of those things. It was sort of a, a shock at my sin, plus just a, 
a horror at my sin, a sense of disgust at myself. And I sat in that season for several months. I remember I was sitting on graduation stage because I was a student body president of my high school. And so I was up there on stage. I was going to be doing a little bit of a closing speech for, you know, a minute or two or 45 seconds, whatever it was. And I remember sitting on stage, and one of the things I did on graduation stage, where graduation day for many people was one of the best days of their life, for me, I remember sitting on stage and just feeling hopeless. I felt like I was defined by my sin. I felt like I was defined by these things I had done wrong, and it felt like nothing was ever going to be right again. And it was just a season of darkness. And so that was sort of the beginning of a season just of the darkness coming on over me. That summer I spent with both you guys actually and talked through a lot of these things with you. Um, But I remember one of the best moments, one of the defining moments of that summer was with you, Doug. Mm -hmm. I had gone up to the Navigator Summer Training Program in Winter Park, Colorado, the YMCA of the Rockies, and... I was going to be spending 40 hours a week as a housekeeper, plus I was going to be doing Bible study with the navigators and on a team where I'm getting trained up and all these things. And I remember one of the first nights, Doug, you and I had talked. Around the fire. Around a fire. And so there's a fire there and me and you were talking and I just shared with you, here's what's going on. Here's what I'm experiencing. And some of the words you said were the most freeing words that I've ever received. Because I told you, all this stuff is happening. This is how I feel. Um, even in that time, I, I didn't even... At times, it was hard for me to be around family and around other people. I share all this stuff with you. And your response was, Mark, my concern for you... And correct me if I'm wrong in this. My concern for you is not that you won't read your Bible... It's not that you won't pray. It's not that you won't memorize scripture or have the right answers in Bible study. My concern for you is that you don't understand the grace of God. Yeah, because I saw what you were feeling and then the solutions that you had for it of feeling all this shame and guilt is I'm compulsively confessing my sin over and over and over again the same sin multiple times to multiple people and i'm trying to pray harder and spend more time in the word it's like huh it seems like there's this shame of who i am and what i've done and to to deal with it i'm trying to double down on my effort maybe even triple down quadruple down on confession there's a sense like do you actually see the grace of god in your life Oh, my concern, because one of the things that we know is that you're one of the most disciplined people that I know, Um, (laughs) and I'm not disciplined, so it could have just been that Mark's being undisciplined. It's like, no, there's way more discipline here. There's something of the grace of God and what that looks like in your life. That's got to be missing. (laughs) Yeah, and you were absolutely right that night when you said my concern for you is you don't understand the grace of God. Like, that was one of the most freeing things anyone could ever tell me. And that's one thing I appreciate is about you, Doug, is that you're willing to say honest things because sometimes that's, like, actually what you need. You need the truth and not just someone to blindly affirm you and say, hey, you're good, don't worry about it. But even that night, I remember sort of a sense of, man, is if if only it is that 
true. Like if, if what I need is actually not something that I need to do, I need to change, but I need to understand and rest in the grace of God. That was a completely freeing thought for me of maybe there's something about experiencing the grace and the power of God in the midst of my weakness that I can rest in here. Specifically, part of this passage that resonates with me so deeply is that he says, uh, he talks about how it's a tormentor from Satan or a messenger from Satan. In that season, Greg, you can remember some of this, but there was a lot of just dark spiritual stuff happening in my life. And there's obviously my own compulsive thinking over my sin, but I really do think there was a certain level of just dark demonic spiritual stuff and i'm not typically quick to say things along those lines that are called spiritual warfare but there was just dark dark moments and this pervasive weight that i really felt like man this there's a something going on here that's deeper and and what all is as a result of my own thinking and my own flesh what all is a result of spiritual things going on I can't tease that all out exactly, but I knew the antidote. I knew the cure for it was continuing to go back to the gospel, that God loved me when I was still a sinner. He sent his son Christ to cover all my sins, that there was no more condemnation for me in my sin, that that was all taken by Christ, that now the perfect life of Christ has been given to me. And that's who I am in God's sight. I'm perfect. I'm faultless. I'm righteous before his son, Jesus or through his son Jesus before him. Those are the truths that began just to to be so real to me. But I saw in this season an intentional thorn in my flesh in the sense of, and that's not saying that that's what it was for Paul, but for me this sense of this pain, this suffering, this hardship that has, sure, many different causes we could try and look at, but this reality that God is in control over this and he's actually using it for good. And so that summer I was not suicidal, but I definitely wanted to be dead often. And I had a very deep sense of self-hatred um, that would manifest at different times in different ways. That often I thought, man, I feel like I'll never be able to have a family. Or I felt like even withdrawing from people I loved because there was just such a desire to be away. And yeah, just that weight was miserable. But I would not take it back for a moment because of the ways in which I experienced the power of God's grace and his goodness to me through it. There was one moment that I remember in particular that was really defining. And that was, there was something called a half day alone with God. We were supposed to spend half a day where you're in prayer and reading your Bible and doing these sorts of spiritual disciplines. And I went away and after... Um, quite some time, I, I began doing Bible, or at the beginning of the time, I began doing Bible study. I was sort of just doing Bible study because that was part of the weekly rhythm and it's something I needed to get done and felt like, okay, I need to get this done. I was tired that summer because I was working 40 hours a week as a housekeeper and I just was not connecting with God. And you have people come back from these half days alone with God and they share about how they just connected with God and it was awesome and they... Maybe they went up onto a mountainside and prayed or they got these sweet moments with God. And for me, that described none of my summer. Uh, it was a season of darkness. And there were, there were sweet moments in there, absolutely. But it was a season of darkness. And 
I remember one point being in the chapel at the YMCA and just at the end of this time, I had fallen asleep beforehand thinking maybe I would pray. I went down to a couch and I thought, oh, maybe I'll pray and uh, lay down here for a moment. I mostly just fell asleep and wasn't able to persevere in prayer. Then I went up into this chapel afterwards and just walking around. And I remember this feeling of God, will you take this away? Asking God, will you take this away? And getting to the one point where I just laid down at one side of the chapel and it was raining outside. It was just me there alone. I had the lights off. And as I was laying there, a thought came into my mind, which was just, I am not the man that I want to be. I'm not the man that I want to be. I, I thought back, I, I think as I thought back through former sins that I had that were constantly on my mind, as I thought through the thoughts that were going through my head at the time, I felt like they were scarred, that even if they went away at that moment, I felt so scarred and defined by those things in my mind. And so my future just felt bleak and hopeless and just remember being there thinking, I'm not the man that I want to be. But then it hit me. But Christ is. And that's how God sees me. He sees me, and I understood at that point that God sees me in light of his son, Jesus. The perfect life of Christ is given to me. And so it was almost like the whole world faded back. And my only hope was in Jesus Christ that before God, he was my righteousness. That my standing before God had absolutely nothing to do with what I could bring to the table. But had everything to do with what God had accomplished through his son, Jesus. And so there's just, yeah, there were sweet moments in the summer like that. Also, while I was cleaning toilets and listening to preaching, uh, those were some of my best times during the summer as I was working as a housekeeper. I'd sometimes want to clean toilets just so I could listen to preaching or clean bathrooms more so, so I could listen to preaching or music. And there were just some really sweet times where the gospel just came more real to me than ever. And so I think in that of seeing... God's power is made perfect in weakness. If God decides that he's going to use things in life to bring me low, and those will yet draw me closer to him, then I'm content with that. Not because it's easy, but looking back, I'm I'm actually grateful for that season of life, and I wouldn't trade it. And it's, it's not all done. I struggle pretty strongly with sense of shame even Doug, we were talking about this last night because I'm in Georgia right now visiting Doug and Reagan. But I, I often still come back to some of those just weighty experiences of shame and have to tease and work through those. What is shame, Mark, is so common to what we can all feel in so many ways of not being who we wish we were, feeling disconnects in our life. And there's legitimate good things that we're called to do and that we should be doing like getting in the word and memorizing the word and praying and sharing our faith and all those things that we kind of know the spiritual disciplines but i think that like you were saying if if it's not really driven by an understanding of the gospel understanding of god's love god's continual grace then we'll never do enough of those things where we actually feel like we're good enough or even if it's like fighting with ongoing besetting sin that we're wrestling with. We'll never get to a place where we actually escape any sense of burden or bondage or yeah. get free of it unless we understand first that Christ has already freed us from it ultimately and forgiven us 
was for all time. And so it's not a future. I, I've heard someone say this and I use this a lot, but it's just not a future version of us that God loves when we have ourselves together. And if that's the way we operate, thinking that once I am better at this or doing this more, then God will love me, then I'll be in God's grace. Then God will actually like me. If, yeah. if that's the way we operate, we'll never get to a place where we're enough for ourselves or where we're hmm. actually satisfied. Because what we're seeking usually in that the solution that we have to that problem is actually not going to fix the root issue. And so we're trying to fix a problem that's we might be able to fix yeah, the outward actions or things, but unless we actually are driven by that understanding of God's love, it will never be enough and we'll never be enough for ourselves. We'll never not disappoint ourselves. Yeah. Yeah. Cause there can be the sense I am not getting enough. Sure. So then what are we going to do about that? I'm going to make myself good enough. It's like, Oh, and then it fails and it keeps failing and it keeps failing. <laughs> yeah. It's like, Oh, but then here, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. God is showing Paul, the guy who wrote so much of our New Testament, the apostles of the Gentiles, that the power of Christ is made perfect in weakness. Paul's weakness. Oh, if Paul's weakness was a good thing for the gospel... I trust that that's true for me also that it's not just Paul feels weak because he needed to work a little harder no, Paul felt weak because he needed to depend on the grace of God in his life um, Alistair Begg says that if dependence is our goal then weakness is to our advantage oh and I don't want to be weak but the reality is that the weaknesses that we have do reveal I am dependent on the Lord. I actually need his grace and power in my life. Oh, but so often I just want to have the strength within myself so that I would say, when I am strong, then I am strong. When I am strong in myself. But Paul is saying, when I'm weak, then I am strong. Because that's when the power of Christ is at work within him. And there's everything in us that wants to rebel against that. I think this can apply in so many different areas too. We're talking about areas of sin, but I, I see this in ministry as well. I, I remember that a couple of years back, we had our national staff gathering for the navigators, and I think it was Alistair Begg. Was he the one doing the workshop, Doug? Yeah. Talking about uh, this topic and how in ministry we often think that it's our competency or gifting, which God uses, but he was talking about how if we really want to show God's power and God's greatness through our lives, then our weaknesses are to our advantage. And so if we're not the best evangelists, it's actually to our advantage because then as we see people come to Christ, then we'll know that it had to be a work of God. If we're not the most gifted speaker and we speak and the Lord uses it to change lives, then we'll know that was actually a work of the spirit. And so he's saying weakness is to our advantage. If our goal is to, trust in God and have it be that his power is on display through our lives. And mm. so, so often we think about it as a negative thing, but the gospel flips the script on that and takes a different route. So Mark, if somebody would have looked at you during this period of life, do you think they would have seen somebody 
who is weak, or what would their perception of you been externally? Someone would have to know me to know what's going on. I think if there were a lot of people who did walk through me this very closely with me, you guys, Brian Hanneman, James Rathman, a number of other people at the STP that summer, um, and just in my life who have walked through this even in more recent times with me. But if you knew what was going on, you would see the internal struggle. You'd see the pain, the suffering. I actually did have some people. There was one dad of one of my friends who mentioned, yeah, Mark didn't. Mark seems a bit off during that graduation time and sort of asked, are you okay? And so I think people actually did notice there was something going on mentally inside of me because it was like a constant mental battle with myself. But also, you might have looked at me externally and said, seems like things are going okay. That's You're, probably what most people would have thought. Yeah, most people. If someone was highly perceptive and around me more, they might get, hey, is something going on here? Or, are you doing okay? Uh, mom and dad also, I mean, very close with me in the midst of this. So they knew what was going on. And they understood and felt the weight of it, I remember. But if someone was just looking externally, they might think, you're doing your Bible study, you're, you know, you're reading the Bible, you're, you're doing fine, you're doing okay. You were on your way to college, graduating high school, and then popular, all of that. Oh, this guy's got it all together. Yeah. That's probably what the majority of people in your school would have thought. Yeah, I don't think most people would have thought Mark's going through this terrible internal crisis. And a lot of things externally, too. Part of the funny thing about this, it's not funny per se, but was, yeah, so many of the external things were going well. And it's not as though I had this terrible crises. One thing that did happen during that season is my grandfather, Grandpa Luby, passed away. And I know that that did play into that in some ways, I'm sure, um, of some of that season, because there was a grief that happened during that same time frame of senior year of high school. Um, and I don't fully still yet know how all that may have affected different things, but um, there definitely was a grief to experience and go through in that. But if you were looking, you would probably think you're doing okay. And, and one of the things that's actually concerning for me is something that this particular weakness has done to me is it's made me very dependent upon God and his grace, but also upon the family of God. And in the sense that I, I can't imagine what it's life to like to go through life without people knowing some of the most intimate details of my personal failings. It's so unbelievably freeing and so incredibly freeing. And I also know for a lot of people that that's not their experience. That's not what they have. And that out, it saddens me, honestly, knowing that. Just because I know there's so much of a weight that we all carry. And, and that there may be some specifics that are unique about this situation. But the reality that everyone has something they're going through that's painful and difficult and heavy. And that's just the human condition. Um so yeah, if you, if you were just to observe from the outside, you might not see it. And, and I almost wonder how true of that it is just for all of us. That if we observe from the outside, we see an easy life, but pretty convinced more and more so. The more I know people, it's we're all going through certain things that are heavy. And 
I'm grateful that I haven't had to walk through that alone. Mm-hmm. Because it seems like the things that were really significant for you in this process were understanding more of God's grace and actually believing what he says is true. Yeah. And other people. Yeah. And it's so easy to want to just depend on God's grace on my own, which is still like wanting to almost have strength within myself to depend on God's grace. But God hasn't designed us no. to go about it that way. He's designed us to actually need community, to need fellowship. We're not made to just go off on our own, become better, which is often like what we try and do in our culture. But God's designed us to need one another, to be built up, both for the sake of our strengths and for our weaknesses, to actually depend on one another and to depend on him. Yeah. And I think, honestly, I think before this, I know in my senior year of high school, my perspective, my desire was to be just sold out for Jesus. So this is not even just a, I wasn't going to follow Jesus, then I decided to follow Jesus. Like, I wanted to be sold out. Like, I wanted to be all in. And part of what I experienced in this season, I think, is God's vision of growing deeper with him was vastly different than my understanding. I think for me, I thought it would just mean me being more intense, more zealous, more fervent. And what it ended up being is God just breaking down some of those areas of pride. God breaking into those things and causing a certain type of humiliation i'd say humility is humility is the right word that we use but i like the word humiliation because i think it better communicates sometimes what humility actually is and just even what that actually is as a process old theologians often talk about the humiliation of christ um not just his humility but his humiliation and becoming human and I think that's good, but I think there's a sense of humiliation that I got through this, like brought very, very low. But yeah, I was grateful, like you said, Doug, that I actually saw even the grace of God communicated through other people and came to understand the character and nature of God as other people walked through with this with me and helped to communicate the same truths. And one of the things, it honestly puts me in a position where I'm still very, very dependent upon others even on small minor things, I often will become, I'll compulsively dwell and think. And one of the best things that I've found for that is processing through things with others and getting the perspective of other Christians of, am I thinking through this right? Um, can you help me think through this? Cause this is heavy and, and I need help. And whether that's a small thing or a large thing, I've, I found that as a blessing to have family in the community of God. Cool. Do you have any concluding thoughts, Mark? For concluding thoughts, I'd probably say don't waste your weakness. We all have weaknesses that God is in control of. He's over. They're not accidents. They're not unintentional. But it may be that our, our areas of weakness are um, where God's power shines brightly. And we probably all would have one or two things where we really wish we could change about our life, about our personality, about our circumstances, and even push into those things and believe that God is not far off. He's not uncaring. But perhaps if you're in Christ, if you are in Christ, that is 
there's an intentional purposeful design that God is actually making you more like his son Jesus through that in particular. And I've heard it said or shared that often things that we most want to do away with in our life is the areas where God is actually going to be working most strongly. And I think that's accurate here of for Paul, he pleaded that the thorn would be taken away and God said, my grace is sufficient. My power is made perfect in weakness. And therefore we boast in weakness and for myself, for you guys, for um, all of us to say, God, would you show your, your power and my weakness for us to submit our weaknesses to him and trust him to use those, knowing that he is in control, whether it be our own flesh, whether it be demonic, whether it be the actions of another, that it, it's not some cosmic mishap, but that God actually is sovereign, he is good, he's in control, and he can use what we're going through for his glory. So to press into that. Thanks for joining us for this episode. We hope it's of encouragement to you and that you join us next time for another discussion. The music excerpts for this podcast come from the song Enthusiast by Tours, which is licensed under a Creative Commons attribution license. More information can be found in the show notes.